This episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by the Hotel Rio Plaza, New York Times Square. The 29 floors of the Rio Plaza, New York Times Square Hotel stand out because of their cutting edge and elegant design, and there are more than 600 rooms perfectly equipped with a mini refrigerator, desk, television, multimedia connection, central air conditioning and heating, among other amenities which have been designed to offer you maximum comfort. Included among the hotel's facilities, you will find the fashion bar, the theater buffet, and the Capitol Bar with its grab-and-go concept characteristic of the city. In addition, at the Ryu Hotel next to Times Square, the facility fee includes access to the cloakroom, a water bottle in each room, unlimited access to the gym, and several other services. They hooked us up big time in New York, and we highly recommend it. Ryu.com, R-I-U.com to book. And without further ado, this is the Managing Madrid podcast, the Valladolid postgame. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog, uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there, and worth reading about that man there, Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome, it's your Weekend Managing Madrid podcast, it's your host Gabe Lesra, and uh, I am back to do our my first uh, recording of a post-game show of the 2019-2020 uh, season. I'm psyched. Um, not as psyched about the result, and uh, to kind of process Real Madrid Valladolid is uh, joining me is Kian Sobani. Kian, as always, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Good, not great. Good, not, not great. terrible. Yeah, just bummed because this is like, you know, this is these these are the games why we 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 lost the league so many times this season. It's yeah, like it's classic. You fast forward this to May June, and you're like, how many points did we drop? Like, what are the games we should have won? Um, mind you, the process today was a bit better um, with some blips throughout, but it's a game that Real Madrid should have comfortably won. So yeah, I, I think the so the score final score one one um, in the Bernabeu, uh, annoying. Annoying result, I think, Han, for me, because it actually felt pretty good. And the game, Madrid actually did dominate this one and had a just a, a frankly, a, a pretty fantastic match absent the finishing. And the finishing, you know, bit Madrid in the butt last year. They bit us, came back again to, to bite them this year in, in, in this match. And it's, it's a problem that we need to fix and Madrid needs to fix. But today is a, I think that this isn't a preseason match anymore, and and this is a serious game that actually matters in the the run of the season. So there's less of like, oh well, let, what what can we take away from this match that'll tell us about the the season? But you know, that being said, it's still early in the season, and there, I think, I just want to focus a little bit on the positives before we jump into the kind of large long term consequences of what's going on. But because I think there are a lot of positives to take from this performance. There are. I mean, if you. If you look at it objectively in the first half, you just examine the process on the pitch. It was there was there was a lot of control. Actually, there was it's been a while since I've seen Real Madrid completely be in control of a game where the ball retention was very good. Anytime Vitaly did cross the halfway line and they weren't dispossessed, Ramos would snuff out everything. I thought Ramos was fantastic. Um, and then you basically have James roaming as a ten and connecting all the dots, um, roaming around the pitch. 
providing nice passes in the half spaces, nice off ball runs, you know, East Coast switching it pretty quickly. Bale was really sharp, I thought, like in terms of the fact that Vital, he packed the flanks, they doubled up on the wings, should mean Bale is essentially nullified. But, you know, he was either beating those those traps or he would cut in and shoot. Um, and even a couple instances where he cut in and shoot, it didn't result in anything. But, the you know, the Bernabeu applauded because that's what we need from Bale. We need him to take that kind of initiative to, to crack yeah. the defensive line. Um, or he would just make a really nice, efficient diagonal ball to Marcelo or Isco or Benzema on the far side. Yeah, these cutbacks where, good. He, where he would cut in and then drop the ball back for Carvajal, who was um, in the right position. Uh, really, really, really good, I think. I, th- I also thought another big positive in this match, Tony Kroos looked really, really sharp. Um, very strong match, I think, especially in that first half for him. And that's such an important thing for this team to click well is, is that Tony Kroos is clicking because it, it, he is the dictator of the tempo and a lot of the brains on how to move the ball between the lines. And when he's doing well, the team is doing well. And, you know, he's getting the ball to the kind of hyper-creative couple of tens who are who are creating these attacks and so he was a critical cog in that machine next to Casemiro so really strong play from him and yeah as you said I think very strong play from the defense and overall just a really impressive scheme I think offensively in that first half especially and then a little bit in the second half before the substitutions Madrid simply did have a slightly different look about their attacking scheme. It was a lot of, sure, there was movement on the flanks, but the cut, the balls were being cut back. There were people trying to take people on on defense. Uh, and uh, overall, just I think of just a very positive uh, offensive performance from what was uh, obviously a very offensive lineup and a, a lineup that really should have, you know, and, and created enough chances to dominate Villarreal. And the sad fact is that Madrid both – couldn't finish and got unlucky in their finishing. So, and that's the tale as old as time for for Zidane and these these types of kind of ticky tack matches and against lower level teams. So there's a lot there. I would, you know the cruise point outside of the the obvious James, Bale, um, Isco a bit of a mixed bag, but overall pretty good. I thought um, outside of the that trio and kind of in front of the base of the midfield, Kroos and Ramos were the two standouts for me. Um, Ramos for just his ability to win the ball in key areas and also just to dispossess the attacks. Kroos pressed well, a lot of nice vertical passing incisive. He was one of the players who allowed those front three to kind of be interchangeable and get into good positions, and he picked them out really well. Didn't misplace a single pass in the first half, obviously. Um, Lost possession in the second half, which led to the equalizer. Um, but just to focus on the first half stuff, it is interesting. If you, you talk about the efficiency, um, the this was a, a scheme that I think, think was perfect for Luka Jovic in terms yeah. of just like, it's a dream for him. He has multiple creators behind him, so much create, creation going on that it's just, there's a good, nice variety in attack. And even though Zidane still wanted to get a lot of crosses in, um, I think he would have had a lot of fun getting on those crosses yeah. in. Now it's interesting because I, you know, the the shift in this game um, essentially came when Zidane took James and Isco both off. Like, if we want to just switch gears the second half for a second. Yeah, no, I mean, let's talk about, the, talk about some of the negatives also in this match. I think that this, the gear shift is definitely one of them. Well, there was, when James came off, and a lot of people, by the way, asking, why did James come off? He was one of the best players. Well, Zidane, not, not, a lot of this stuff has nothing to do with how well how player how yeah. well a player performs like often we fall in this trap of 
why did you take the best player off? It's not how it works. I mean, there's in this case, James wasn't 100%. Zidane said after the game he had a quote-unquote problem and that he didn't want to risk injury, so he took him off. Yeah, he seemed to me like he was just a little gassed. I mean, that's a classic James thing that he didn't. Yeah, he didn't have a he didn't have a preseason really, so like it's understandable. I mean, the fact that he even um, he played was surprising, but then he played well. And then also, uh, of course, you um, you don't fully expect him to play the full 90 when he hasn't had the full preseason and he's a bit gassed. But the momentum kept going with him off the field in the sense yeah. that all Zidane did was he shifted um, Isco into that role instead. Right. Um, so Isco kind of went to the middle. And then it's still Real Madrid had that dominant authority to them because he was be able to connect the strings a little bit. When Isco came off, that's to me, that's when the problem started because yeah. you lost Isco and James, which one of them would have been able to to keep that momentum going, I thought. Uh, and then what happened when Isco came off, this scheme shifted to a 4-4-2, where you had Bale went from the right to the left and Vinicius went to the right, Jovic and Benzema up top. And when Bale went to the left, he just disappeared. Like that was... You nullified... Rest in peace, Bale. You know, he yeah, was and you, it, that move nullified Bale, who was one of the bright spots in the attack and who was constantly creating danger by cutting in or making those drop-off passes... On the left side, uh, or on the on on the right side, but as soon as he's moved to the left, he basically just becomes a pure winger. Where the only the only thing he's really going to do on that side of the pitch is cross and or get on, you know, in the ideal scenario, get on headers from you know crosses on the other side. But that like if you switch Bale on onto the other flank, he loses that bite and he disappeared, and all of the play went through Vinicius on the other side, um, and. That was, I mean, it was a complex and and kind of baffling decision in my view, uh, because and and maybe Keon, it goes to the fact that there wasn't really a backup creator on the bench, like there was no Eden Hazard <laughs> to come in and take over the creative role in the center of the pitch that would have allowed Madrid to continue that like that kind of ba- more balanced attack from the first sixty minutes. Well, it's funny because um, as even though it, it, it kind of caused Real Madrid to lose control um, and Valladolid grew into the game and they started having chances and stuff, they, Real Madrid almost immediately scored from Jovic's first touch. It was Bale on the left crossing, Jovic hits the crossbar, and that's kind of what you needed, that directness. On one hand, while it caused Real Madrid's quote-unquote demise, they, they dropped two points. On the other hand, the argument to change things from Zidane is not completely crazy to me in that, yeah, it looked good. The process looked good on the pitch up until that point, but you had no goals to show for. So the alter- there's an alternative reality to this where Zidane keeps it going with the same formation and they don't score. And then he gets crucified for not changing things. Yeah. So he rolls the dice and says, maybe it won't look as pretty now, but maybe it'll be more direct. Maybe we'll get some more chances. Um, so in that sense, I think he's kind of... And, and to, a, to an extent, he was vindicated for this one because Benzema eventually scored and looked like Real Madrid were going to win. And um, I think that yeah. I think there were. I mean, mm. it's it's hard to underestimate how important or how how I think just going back to one of your points earlier. How first of all, I thought good Luka Jovic looked at just that killer, you know, being that kind of presence in in the in the box when he was um, when he was given that role and. Also, it made me think how useful he would have been in that first half when, frankly, 
uh, Benzema, I think, papered over what was an over, like not, you know, it, frankly, an underwhelming performance in that, in, you know, up until his truly massive for Golothel. Yeah. 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 Um, I think it's, it's worth pointing a couple of things that happened that I think um, that I would, I would be a little bit worried about and kind of just stood out to me as, as yeah. just big no-nos because there were a couple of things that happened during this entire thing that shot Zidane in the foot and it wasn't him shooting himself in the foot. They were individual errors. So just before Benzema's goal, there was this freak sequence from Vinicius where I don't know what the hell he was doing, where he was, he was deep. He gave the ball away. He just passed it directly to a Vitaly player. Yeah. And then just kind of looked around and didn't get back into position, oddly enough. He just, you know, he, and then the ball goes immediately to the man behind him. And then that man crosses it far post to an unmarked Vitaly player. Now, I'd have to go back and watch to see why that player was unmarked. I don't know if it was Ramos should have just been there. But Vinicius essentially started that Vitaly attack and just failed to track back and, and get it. Um, so that stuff is out of Zidane's control. And, that, and I'm sure that drives Zidane's hair out whatever hair he doesn't have and <laughs> and after the game um he didn't really comment on Vinicius either way it was just kind of like this reaction where it's like you know I don't really want to talk about Vinicius right now and the cross so there was a there I think the cross thing in 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 a, in a few ways was the when he lost the ball I think anyone can lose the ball in that situation it actually wasn't it wasn't a situation where um he could have you know, he he wasn't he was in this situation where he couldn't have lost the ball. Like it's not it wasn't like this. He was unpressured or unchallenged or whatever. He was swarmed by two defenders as soon as he got it, and it was just top ball, top place to receive the ball in. Um, he's not really in a position to recover in time, if you ask me. One argument no. is you could have fouled him, fouled the ball carrier, um, but he also looked at it and saw there was like decent coverage, and Ramos could have fouled him too. Like Ramos could have Ramos in front of him, so I. I'm not. I don't think that's on Cruz. I think, and then by the time it goes behind Baran, Baran's in this position where he can't really um, do anything about the ball going behind him, and Courtois obviously gets megged, which I think you know it's unfortunate. But if we got to, we got to re- rewind this. Like this, yeah. This, I think that it's easy to talk about solutions now. I think you this game down to a couple key moments where it easily could have gone the other way, and these discussions aren't as dramatic. Um, but they're also part of the reason we haven't won the league because these. These are the moments where you lose a league, essentially. Um, right. And I'm not because just making that up because frankly, this is essentially we have a track record of this. If Right. If Madrid puts away some goals in the first half, which they should have, or if Jovic's header goes in, or any num- number of different things happen, conceding this goal, which is manifestly bad luck, but not particularly – I mean, like it's there, it's preventable, but it's the type of thing where – it's the kind of goal that good teams do concede. It's not, this one wasn't a man Madrid just got owned or or looked really bad. No, it was, there was a miscommunication in midfield that led to a break and they executed the break really well. And the keeper maybe could have done a little more, but maybe really just came out as hard as he could. And the shot was really well placed. I mean, that's the kind of goal that good teams can give up. But what I think to me is much more unforgivable or much more concerning in this match is that, Madrid. I mean, and I haven't seen the X goal stats yet, but my guess is that Madrid is going to have a very high X goal in this game because they, frankly, created a lot of opportunities and they just didn't score. And that, to me, is a much more concerning thing than in question than whether they gave up a kind of 
bad luck ticky tack goal at the end of the game to Valladolid. They should have been up by three goals at that point, probably. So the XG was actually quite low for this game for Real Madrid, believe it or not. It was that's, that's really surprising. It's surprising because they had a lot of shots, but I guess the clear cut chances were not that prevalent. And it was only one point seven three XG. And I think to me, actually, that makes the even more of a case for Jovic because Jovic is the type of yeah. player who outperforms his XG and can score more difficult chances than he doesn't need a clear-cut chance to score. So he would have helped in that department be, just getting on the ends of things. Like If you think about Real Madrid's chances, um, James had a header in the first half. Bale had that far post chance, which yeah. Isco swung in. And then Bale had that left-footed shot that when James that, squared it I mean, to that- him. Yeah, Bale's header also. I mean, Hamza's header. I, these are maybe these are tough for X school. I mean, part partially what I'm what I'm reacting to is also that Madrid, the 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 dominance of this game didn't just translate into lots of shots. It should have translated into more clear cut chances, but there was a little bit of a you know miscommunication in the the final that final touch of the final ball just didn't quite happen and. So I guess it isn't borne out in the um, in the XG, but the XG bears out sh- like the percent the, the the goals that you should have scored based on your shots. And a lot of the th- the problems that Madrid was having was that they didn't get off a shot, or they didn't get off that last pass, didn't quite hit the right guy, or whatever. Right yeah. in despite a very dominant run of play, and so it wouldn't be reflected in the exclu- in the XG. But regardless, I'm less concerned about what I see as a not particularly worrisome goal conceded and much more concerned with Madrid not scoring <laughs> the uh, uh, the goals that I think they should have been scoring in this match. Yeah, well, of the of the 22 shots, only four were on target. And uh, so it's not like Masip had a terrible amount to to do in this game, if we're, talk- if we're being honest. You know, I, that... No, but a lot of the shots that missed the target were would have beaten him if they had been on target. Have been on right? target a lot of them. Yeah. They yeah. should have been on target. The headers, like they should have. You put those balls on target, and the keeper is beaten too. It wasn't like, you know, they they uh, if they had put more shots right in the middle of the goal, he still would have saved. It. Anyways, the point is, well, um, I, mean, I, th- I think part of the thing too is um, the two most important shot generators in this game were James and Bale. Um, and you and yeah. you go and you revisit the degree of difficulty of their shots, and they weren't easy. Bale, two of them. Um, were outside the box um, where he was cutting in. One of them was that one-time shot that when James, you know, crosses. James' yeah. shots weren't easy either. Um, he had that one time at the top of the box. I think there were a couple of them, you could argue, they should have just taken an extra touch and then and then taken a crack. But yeah. who are we to say, you know, what, what they should have, shouldn't have done because they're elite footballers. But, um, yeah. yeah, there was I mean, a lack Benzema's of that. Goal was an in- yeah. And Benzema's goal was an incredibly high degree yeah, of difficulty difficult. goal. Yeah. yeah. So it's there's i think that the i think there's actually fast this game actually is pretty fascinating in that there is a lot to take away i think just to kind of switch gears a little bit here i think one of the one of the groups i guess that i i was really not particularly pleased with i think that particularly carvajal and marcelo both didn't have particularly strong games carvajal especially i felt like just was sort of a zero and didn't bring as much as he should have on defense. And his offensive production was sporadic. I mean, occasionally it was good. He did appear a lot as that overlap for Bale on that side, especially at the beginning of the game. But his defensive work 
needs his defense needs some work and I'm hoping that he gets a little bit more in the game because I just felt like he was in he was a a kind of black hole for Madrid on that side it's funny because at halftime I thought he it was one of his best um performances that we've seen from him in a long time um and the second half he had a couple moments early on where he had these nice interceptions and defensive sequences and part of the thing that maybe the bar is low, low for Carvajal for me but um, that first half, especially when he had these overloads um, alongside Bale and getting involved in the attack, a lot yeah. of Real Madrid's possession just went through Carvajal, even more so than did um, Car- Marcelo, because they had all this play funneled to the left, and they would switch it to Bale, and then Carvajal would overlap, yeah. and they would he would get in across, and and he had four key passes. And it was a really good se- those are really good sequences. They're very dangerous. It's it's one of the most dangerous things in football, and what we've seen from the advanced stats is that moment where Bale or where, where the player gets to the end line and smacks the ball back uh, towards the top of the area. That's a very high danger kind of situation for a team. And Madrid was creating that scenario a fair amount. So he was, he did, he was good in at doing that. And Madrid, I'm glad that Madrid is working on creating that type of chance because it's good and it's a high value chance. Yeah, it was the, it was the right way to do it. Cause we haven't really seen that version of Carvajal in a while. And at halftime, I thought he looked really confident. Now, like I would also say, I'm, I was kind of, I wasn't floored, but like this is coming from someone who I don't think, I don't think Carvajal has been in form for two years now. So I'm not, I'm not questioning whether Carvajal is in a good state right now or not. I, I don't disagree with that. But I also say like he was the least of our problems. And I was kind of, kind of a bit floored by the overreaction to his performance. I thought there were deeper problems. Um, so what are the deeper problems? Well, just that um, you, when, when that schematic change happened, for example, um, there was nobody to help the transition offense. It it became this festival of Vinicius dribbling into a couple of defenders, Bale isolated on the left, and Bale and Jovic isolated. So you then you had almost nothing in between. And while you had these moments where look like Real Madrid might score a second, Vitaly also looked like they could equalize at any moment. So there were like, and then also after Benzema scored, um, you don't need to put your foot on the pedal and go for 10 goals all of a sudden. Like, I'm not against the idea of putting this game to bed. But also, you look at some yeah. of the numbers in transition, Vitaly even also had a chance to win it at the end. And, like, those are just little things that have lingered um, over the last yeah. few years. That was – it was a very last year especially type of um, moment when the game went from – like, I hadn't seen Madrid look like this in a long time to – suddenly we're back with Vinicius is the only source of offense. Bale is, is, is reduced to a nothing on the, on the left side, just creating crosses. Uh, Benzema and and Jovic, I guess now are are extremely isolated. And the only sub we can do is to bring on Lucas Vazquez with 30 seconds left in the game, just to add another winger. And Madrid just looks totally one dimensional in and totally toothless. (laughs) There was no way they were coming back at that point. Uh, and it was it's it's an interesting problem because after you see a game where Madrid plays different, I mean, it, like I said, it was really much. It reminded me a lot of last year. Keanu. Well, there's also sequences in this game that no one will talk about because it didn't result in a goal conceded or a goal scored. And you know, for anything that Cruz will get on that goal for losing the ball in an area where um, it's not wasn't that easy to hold on to the ball, regardless. Casemiro had some shocking passes in the first half, two in particular, yeah. which like one of them was like this little flick which started Vitaly's attack. And you're just like, what is that? Like if that results in the goal, all of a sudden that gets highlighted. And there yeah. are things I think that will go unnoticed in this game because they didn't result in something. That w- and a couple of his passes were one of them. Um, 
again, I, I think Vinicius um, was not good. Um, I don't know if, if it's something's in his head, but it's hard. You know, I, I wrote about his potential sophomore slump for managing Madrid coming up, uh, went up on the site last week. I think there's a lot there that he needs to work on. But, you know, obviously as exciting as he is, I'm not too worried about him, but it will be a difficult season for him because yeah. he'll have a lot of barricades in front of him, you know, multiple defenders travel, trying to block his runs. Um, but it would be easier for him in a scenario where the the team wasn't transitioning into a scheme that relied exclusively essentially on him to create offense. So it'd be a lot easier <laughs> and he would find a lot more space if, if he had been introduced when Madrid was <laughs> a little bit more in control of the match with, with their creative players. Uh, Vinicius is an exceedingly exciting player, but he is just like almost everyone on in the planet able to be shut down when you have a bunch of people that surround him when he's, and he's like the only offensive outlet, like in that last 15 minutes. Yeah. And one thing that we shouldn't gloss over is the fact that still knowing full well that Ram hasn't had a goal scorer in, in uh, this is the second season now. And the only real one you have in your team is Jovic. I think he just has to play. Cause like, yeah, I'm not the fact that Benzema scored that brilliant goal doesn't change things for me in that he can't be your main goal scorer. He scored a bunch of goals last season. He can't be he can't be your top goal scorer. He just he's a good complementary goal scorer and complementary creator. I don't think he can be your goal scorer uh game in, game out. So like if your XG is 1.73, he scores on a one of high degree of difficulty and you don't have Jovic to capitalize on all these crosses you want to do, and he's a really good player in the air. Like to me, that's a problem. Like I think you need to play him more because like that's why you had a clear void of a goal scorer or lack thereof in the team in that first half, yeah. especially. Like him, everything so looked... like that's I just I think that's that's that should be highlighted a little bit. I spent that entire first half being like, man, Madrid looks so good, but if this were a couple of years ago, Madrid would have scored a few goals by now, and the reason is that Madrid had a you know absolute killer in the box at that point and we don't right now and Jovic absolutely has that killer instinct as we saw with his literal first touch of the game where he turned a relatively tough cross into a beautiful shot that just glanced off the top of the post bad yeah. luck yeah so that that was a note for you gotta me. Play I think, him. You're I right. think I a little bit more of Jovic in a bit earlier yeah I agree with that um do you let's see let's talk a little bit about I think Hello, Logan. Hey, Logan. Oh, Logan's here to say hi. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about how some of the potential people coming back from injury might change this scheme. So Hamas looked really good. What does his future look like when Hazard is back? I imagine Hazard just takes up the place of one of the three players, either Isco, Hamas, or Bale. Um. And he's out of the out of those four. To me, he's the guaranteed starter when fit, um, with the other three being interchangeable rotational players. So one one day might be Isco, one day might be Hamas, one day might be Bale. Um, that's the way I envision it. But you know, to to really try to predict this is hard because it's Zidane. So I don't think anyone predicted we'd see Hamas, Isco, and Bale together in the lineup today. Uh, and the obviously the other one that we have to factor in is Modric, who was suspended. So he takes up another place. So. When Modric comes back, you might even just probably see a deviation from the four-two-three-one and go four-three-three, which means that's two spots, um, which which will be gone. Which means 
I don't know how often we'll see Hamazis go bail together. I imagine it's not terribly, it's not going to be terribly prevalent this season just because. Which is kind of too bad. I, I like the way this team looked. I, I, I mean, and I would have, I bet I would have liked it if Hamas or if, if let's say Isco was changed out for Azard. I think that's an inci- like kind of exciting lineup. And if you put these kind of creators together, I mean, yeah, I would love to see it. I, I don't think we will. I think you're right. But this, I'm hopeful that maybe Zidane sees how well Madrid played in that first half and he will experiment with adding, having these creators on the pitch together. What I like about James is that he's so, when he has the ball, I feel so calm. I just know he's such a good decision maker that you either know he's not going to make a bad pass or he's going to get out of a tight spot. He's going to lay it off. He's going to make an incisive pass. He's going to dribble out of a nice, you know, area uh, that's tightly contested. I, I have calm when he has the ball. I have confidence in him to do what, you know, do the right thing. Yeah. And I and I enjoyed watching. Azard is a lot like that mm-hmm. also. Azard is, is also like that. I felt very much the same kind of peace and calm when he has the ball. And it'd be kind of interesting to watch them play together. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, I again, like I don't, I kind of do secretly enjoy um, when Zidane has to dig deep when there is substitute, when there is, you know, injuries or suspensions. It kind of forces him to go and, you know, pull these Hamases out of the hat um, and get them more playing time. Because <laughs> I, I really, as you know, I believe in Hamas. I think he's a great player. I think he's one of the most efficient we have in Europe in the final third. And like, I do think that if you have to dig deep and use them, that's probably a blessing in disguise. Um, I also think he yeah. can, he's versatile enough that you can play him deeper if you want to, um, not as your main midfield cog, but definitely like with Bayern, he proved that he's more versatile than we thought. Um, on the wing, he's not a pure winger, but he has played some of his best football of his career on the wing, but he can also kind of drift in centrally. He can play multiple roles in multiple positions. I think he's a great asset to have if, if Zidane uses him. Um, I would love to see a situation where we see him and Hazard, Hazard and Jovic and Bale together. I mean, that'd be that'd be awesome. Um, I do think that that you get the best world, best of two worlds: one, the control, the creativity, but also the finishing, because you have your most important shot generators, you have your best finishers, um, but you also have good pressers and good passers. Um, I think that would work. Yeah. Now, mind you, I think a lot of this will have to do with. How's he done? How often he goes with the four-two-three-one? Because I think his—I'm not saying he's married to the four-two-three, and he's actually like publicly said that he's—he doesn't want to do that. You know, it's not his—he may or may not do that. And the four-two-three is not something he's going to be married to. But um, if if he has Casemiro, Modric, and Kroos, I think he himself will find it difficult to to bench one of them. Um, but yeah, that's, that is exactly my feeling. Puts those creative players in is probably going to be when he doesn't have one of them and he doesn't maybe trust Valverde a hundred percent yet to throw him into a, a, a big game. Yeah. And I, I mean, hopefully w- what this match, some of this match showed is that the four, four, two is a, a formation where Madrid struggles right now. Um, it's possible that they'll get better at it, but the four, four, two simply ends up in a, like it's very clear to me that it ends up in a situation where Madrid is kind of stagnant offensively. It may be a more, I mean, in theory, it should be a slightly better formation defensively, but it has not proved that way. And it proves that like, it has proved that Madrid um, should be better defensively. They're not. And they gave up their goal in a four, four, two and the four, four, two didn't look good on offense. So 
I'm hopeful that maybe Zidane will move away from a 4-4-2 into some of the more kind of advanced formations that don't, you know, leave Madrid in this situation, like where they're right, uh, where they're caught out on the breaks and where they're kind of stagnant or, or hoping for moments of individual brilliance on the wings to create their chances. Right. Well, I think that that's part of the reason why the four four two didn't work today. I mean, depending on how you rate it, but to me, it didn't just because we, just because the Benzema's goal, it doesn't really mask some of the problems in that. It was just too much isolation and too too predictable. It became this like U-shaped possession where Vinicius on one wing dribbling. Uh, and then if he needs to cut it back, he just he passes it back to Carvajal and the ball swings and swings and Bale either gets it or doesn't get it. And Jovic and Benzema aren't necessarily going to get the ball. So part of the reason for um, the, the first half looking so good was because it had players that basically by default made Real Madrid more unpredictable because it wasn't this U-shaped yeah. possession. It was kind of... Um, it, it was that free-flowing offense that yeah. Zidane... When the the higher... Like when the best Zidane teams were playing, they that's what their offense would look like. It was like this very free-flowing attack. You weren't really sure where the, where the chances would come from. Lots of... Yeah, sure, lots of crosses, but also lots of... You know, incisive passes, long shots, cuts to the wing, um, cutbacks to the center... Uh, it was that that it really did bring back memories of these like great Zidane teams, uh, and that's hopefully what what he can he can begin to replicate because it is that type. I mean, I still think that no one can really figure out how to defend when Zidane when a Zidane team executes their offensive str- like strategy the way Zidane like the way the classic Zidane teams did. They they are essentially impossible to defend yeah and i mean that's when peak zidane ball is when it's just pure chaos like there's crossing there's multiple players trying to meet across there's rebounds there's players arriving the top of the box to to hit one-time shots in it's circulating it's free-flowing it's fast um certain schemes allow him to play that much better than others and i don't you know i'm not against the 442 i'm not really against any particular scheme i'm more i'm more worried about the tactical plan and uh I did. Me too. I, yeah. I'm just going to reiterate. I think the process of the first half was really encouraging to me. The only thing that was missing, what, really the only thing that was missing yeah. was that cold butter finisher, like a Jovic. Yeah, that and like or or like and the only major difference between this Zidane team and and the peak Zidane in that first half was that cold blooded finisher, right? Because if you, if Ronaldo is on that pitch. I think Real Madrid scored two or three in that. Yeah, first of course. Half. I mean, my, the next best thing is who's your next cold blooded finisher, and he was on the bench. Right, and he was on the bench. Um, all right, do you want to jump into questions? Do you have anything else in your notebook? Um, I actually, I think we've hit a lot of the points that I wanted to hit. Today. Um, go through my notes quickly. I don't think there's anything glaring that um, that was missed. Yeah, because like my big thing was I wanted to con- like to kind of reinforce that there's actually a lot of po- like the, the process is a, a big positive and. A lot of I know it's annoying to say this and to keep repeating this, but if Madrid can get that process down, they're going to be really good. <laughs> I mean, that offensive process is actually a big deal. It has it was essentially lost all of last year, and it's very exciting and encouraging to see it come back. I think there there are a few notes that I will maybe just bring up. One is that I think there's two players that have good and bad and it can be so up and down and you don't really know what you're going to get from them in a given game. And one is Benzema, the other one is Isco. Well, I think Benzema for a yeah. while now is passing and transition has been not good. And in this game, it wasn't particularly good. Obviously, comes up with a brilliant goal. Isco, 
couple nice roulettes, um, or at least one that was really nice, and then a couple nice touches, nice passes, but also some really wayward passes. And there was one particular one that sticks out uh, in the 50th minute, where if he just hits that better, it was a terrible pass from him. But yeah, Bale was gone. He was on a breakaway, and that would have that would have changed. I mean, I don't know if the results in the goal, but obviously those are little things that I think the passing needs to be better from from a couple of players. Yeah, we did mention Casemiro already. Um, I did. I did like Bale. You know, I saw I saw Lucas tweet. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up when I record a podcast with him later in the week. He didn't really <laughs> like Bale's performance, and I thought I thought Bale looked really good. He disappeared. In, really, he disappeared I, I just, in the second half. The first half. That's the, the sec- version we want from Bale. It's like. He was doing everything he possibly could have done. Um, and then he disappeared due to schematic changes. Um, again, Ramos, I thought, was really good. I have to go back and rewatch really some good. defensive sequences in the second half where I'm not sure how vital he got opens, and that may have been his fault, but I was writing my reaction too, so I was slipping back and forth, so I may have missed some couple of mistakes he made. Um, that's about it. I think, you know, Varane had some nice long-range passes in this game that started attacks that probably won't go notice um again i thought i don't think carvajal was as bad as some people made it out to be but i don't think he was great either and uh yeah that's all i got i think yeah cool um i agree with all of that and i'm interested to hear that show with lucas because i thought that Baelic was one of the two most interesting and and uh offensive uh conduits in that first half and yeah. but for good inches he scores two or three goals. Yeah, and his dribbling was great. And he was especially liked his interplay on the overlaps with Carvajal. And that's not just Carvajal being in the right place. It's also Bale knowing to make that pass and then cut to the right position to give Carvajal some space. I mean, I don't know. And Bale looked good in the air. I mean, sure, he he they missed those shots. But again, it's just a matter of inches. And um, he got the ball in the first place. So, um all right, we have a couple of questions left over from the la- from last week's show. I think we'll just quickly address sure. those. Um, in our <laughs> first one is from Casper Moscal. Okay, so just a reminder that if you toss us uh, some money on Patreon, ten dollars uh, a month, we answer. Uh, we guarantee that we answer a question on our show every week. Um, you also get con- um, access to our patron only. Uh, back catalog of all of our patron only episodes and we do a number of patron only episodes a week at this point so you get all of that it's great um i would recommend it so a couple of our patrons here casper moscala asks us guys please help me because it's driving me crazy why does ray hudson say in the soundbite for the podcast intro right before the managing madrid blog i just can't decipher that thanks in advance he says um so he's talking about uh the fantastic article about benzema that we ran um, a couple years ago, or a year ago, um, that Benzema was getting too much essentially playing time, and that if he uh, continued running out, uh, you know, that type of numbers, um, those types of minutes, that he would fade, and that's what Ray was referring to. Um, yes. So, uh, in terms of the actual what 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 he said, Ex- exact quote um, is, uh, yeah, the number he says. And and the article real then re, reveals the numbers, has the numbers that reveal why or something like that. And then it goes on yeah, for a bit. Yeah, we yeah, cut yeah. out the rest, but yeah, yeah. And he, it's not the first time that he's referenced our. Um, that was awesome. Site. He we also had Ray. a second we, shout out. I don't remember what the second shout out. 
We stan Ray. Um, Second shout out was... He also mentioned you, I think. Yeah, he said Keon Sobrini. Was very, very grateful for that. For, for <laughs> we love it. We love to out. see that. That's wonderful. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Thank you, Roy Hartson, <laughs> for that. Uh, no, we love Ray. Um, and then the second one, Rafael Sevilla asks, hey, guys, uh, is there any credence to the Bruno Fernandez rumors? Um, frankly, Rafael, I actually had only passingly seen some of these, but I, I Googled it after you um, in order to prepare for this. And there does appear to be a fair amount of smoke. I don't know how real that is. Um, I, I haven't seen but anything. Yeah, there's some smoke there, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's like us and like Daily Mail and junk. It's not yeah. – it's not, I don't think anything from a, a source that I would be serious, but a lot of, there are a lot of the tabloids going yeah. with this story. Yeah. So. No one reputable. Um, yeah. I will, I, I want right. to make one point because I was just kind of rewatching the, the goal that Real Madrid conceded. I, the more I look at it, the more, the less I think it's, it's on, uh, I think the cross criticism is a bit overblown. And uh, I, I'm kind of looking at that Carvajal sequence too. Carvajal could have, if he if Carvajal doesn't try to close the ball carry and just runs back to cover for, for Varane, that also may have been a goal prevented too. So I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it's annoying. <laughs> that is part of it. And then, if we remember, the person was essentially unmarked on that end, and that is that's a problem of the. Uh, it is a schematic problem because our left back isn't isn't designed to be able to cut the that type of accidental breakaway off. And you just sort of eat that type of chance if you're if you're Zidane and you hope that the the numerous mistakes that led up to that goal don't yeah. happen. Um okay. Do you want to do Patreon shout outs? Um yes, I do. So like Gabe said, patreon.com slash managing Madrid if you want access to a bunch of uh bonus content, including our loan tracker on Tuesday, which will review um, all of Real Madrid's loanies, we do that every weekend. And this weekend, um, tomorrow, we have uh, Real Sociedad versus Mallorca, which, of course, is Odegaard versus Kubo. Um, don't know if 100% of Kubo is going to play that game necessarily, but uh, he may or he may just come off the bench. Either way, you'll get to see Odegaard, um, worst case scenario. So make sure to tune into that. And then we'll also cover Ceballos' performance against Liverpool, which... I haven't watched because it was at the same time as this game. I've heard he hasn't played well, so I'll have to go judge for myself and kind of talk about it on Tuesday. Um, other bonus shows, we do historical segments. We rewatch we, we Real Madrid's old games, talk about them. Um, midweek shows, mailbags, anytime there's a Champions League Copa del Rey game, anything. Um, it's over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. One of your rewards, if you pledge $10 or more, is you get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to these $10 plus patrons uh one second there it is all right mikhail nilsson frederick Sundros. <laughs> you don't know this all by your like already by by heart um almost but there's a bunch of new ones that are thrown in there every week so it throws me <laughs> off yes. yeah you're gonna hear Love a couple of new ones that Love are new the funny names too uh mikhail nilsson frederick Sundros, john fernandez said mahat nick de stefane adam dorsey Frederick Rentakiro, Pascal Said, Leon Stavronakis, Bjorn Salvador, Christian Gonzalez, Essa Hariri, Ilian Zako, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Sad Omar, Oluwapamimo, Oladunjoy, Patrick Odayafadi, Christian Toft, Dan Berthy, Armin Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Kunal Telekar, Marin Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, 
Raul Gutierrez, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Peña Maridisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Brandon Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, Zoran Bosnicic, Josue Ayala, Crystal Glass, Rafael Servia, Yehin Liang, Karen Scherer, Somanshu Singh, Brennan Powers, Rovi Tagiev, Amy L., Anthony Armesto, Shabal Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Varun, Bernard Kufur, Jack Edgar, Ashik Bashar, AMB6901, Daniel Pinkney, Magnus Lex, right. Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, and Solomon Ortiz. Thank you so much, guys. The, the funny name I was Thank referring to was AMB6901. Gets me every time. Shout out to AMP. Uh, thank you so much, guys. <laughs> Send yeah, us a question. Question. No, but seriously, <laughs> thank, thank you, you guys so much. Seriously, without you guys, the show is you really impossible. Um, it truly is. It's um, true. So thank you so much. Uh, and great. I'm psyched to be back for the season. I can't. I mean, I'm really psyched to be back and, and doing this. And we're going to do some some live shows this season. So keep your ears open. Um, and come with that. It was so much fun to meet you all in, in, in person. I know that some of you have. Uh, chunks of that <laughs> list memorized yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Keon, until next week, or well, until soon. Alamadi. Alamadi. <laughs>